1: Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Musio, And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week 16. It is our final ranking show of the season. I'm very sad about that. This season has absolutely flown by, but it has been a wonderful season here with you guys. We are very happy that you spent it with us. As always, Pat and Billy will be providing their thoughts on players in each of the tiers. And again, there is no better pair. No better pair to provide analysis on rankings because Billy was the number four overall most accurate in-season ranker in 2022 and has done consistently well in our accuracy competition. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Billy at FFMuseo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF, and you can find me at It's Your Time. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Now we're going to go over these top 20 running backs first.
0: Running backs.
1: Our consensus rankings can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can find the tiers there as well. Now looking at these top 20 rankings here, these top 20 players, Pat, I'll start off with you. Who really stands out for you here?
2: Oh boy, Derrick Henry still in RB one range. Let's see. This was after a week in which he had twenty touches, net ten yards from scrimmage. Uh, this is after a two week stretch in which we've seen Derrick Henry have thirty three carries for forty three yards. Like I know the matchup against Seattle looks pretty good. The the Seahawks run defense has been pretty shaky lately, but I just can't rank Derrick Henry as a, a top. 12 running back anymore. Like his, his offensive line is bad. It's banged up. Um, Henry just looks like he's been out of juice for a while. So um, to me, that is a little bit too high for Derrick Henry.
1: Mm, we were talking before the show about my, my failed run that just ended in the Scott fishbowl and guess who else was on that team? Derek Henry. So you see why it was, why the season ended for me right there. You mentioned that. I mean, just, Horrendous performance, unfortunately, for Derrick Henry. What stands out for you, Billy, in this top 20?
3: Yeah, it's nice to start seeing James Cook inside the top five here. Ever since Joe Brady took over the play calling here, uh, James Cook has actually averaged about 21 fantasy points per game and a little over 140 yards per game, slightly over 24 PPR points a game as well. Prior to that, you know, in the 10 games before Joe Brady took over, he was only averaging about 14 touches a game and just under 85 yards a game. And so uh, a lot different of a look of an offense here with the, them actually using James Cook gets a Los Angeles Chargers uh, defense this year. I say a lack thereof that allows the fifth most fantasy points, to the running back position. It could be a potential, you know, top two, top three overall running back week for James Cook.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's good. You know, the changeover in offensive coordinators, we weren't really sure what was going to massively improve and turns out it was specifically James Cook. So it's been wonderful to see. All right. Again, for in-depth analysis on any of these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, use our My Playbook app. We're going to start off here in the B minus tier. And it's a good tier here. We've got Jonathan Taylor, who presumably if we get all cleared, he would bump up. Into more of the top twenty, Kenneth Walker, Chuba Hubbard, and Ty Chandler. So of course we're pulling out a couple of people here. Uh, first person that we want to talk about here is Chuba Hubbard, coming in at RB twenty-two in ECR. And Pat and Billy, you are you guys are on kind of different sides, not dramatically different, but a little bit here. Pat, you're feeling a little bit more optimistic about Chuba this week. RB 18, Billy, you've got him at RB 23, Pat, I'll start off with you. I mean, we've seen this workload increase stick pretty, um, pretty dramatically here for Chuba Hubbard as the lead back for Carolina. Is it the workload that you're relying on here? The volume that's making you feel a little bit more confident in Chuba?
2: It is Tara um, because I know it it does feel strange to have a Carolina Panthers running back as a mid range RB two. But yeah, over his last three games, Chuba Hubbard has had 25, 23, and 22 carries, which has equated to fantasy finishes of RB6, RB24, and RB18. He's gotten snap shares north of 70% the last two weeks, and now he gets a juicy matchup, Terra, against our Green Bay Packers. Um, The Packers have given up the fourth-most rushing yards and ninth-most fantasy points to running backs. Green Bay's run defense ranks 26th in DVOA. Uh, Hubbard should have volume and matchup working in his favor this week. If you're starting him in a playoff game, you should feel pretty good about it, I think.
1: Yes, much to our chagrin, they are definitely a fantastic matchup for opposing running backs. Billy, you're more in line with ECR, got him at RB23. How are you approaching Chuba Hubbard this week?
3: Yeah, I think he could you know, easily move up a couple spots here. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhere in between where Pat and I have him overall ranked um volume is is hard to ignore you know pat touched base on on the amount of touches he's had um he's been pretty inefficient with those touches uh 3.9 yards per carry on the season um he's seen a handful of targets which has helped but you know nothing like he saw uh in the middle of the season where he had a you know a couple fives and sixes inside of those games and you know pretty steadily two targets a game right now uh it's kind of touchdown dependent in order for him to hit above the rb20 mark and so um, Carolina, you know, getting inside the red zone, giving him an opportunity is one of the things that I just don't have a lot of faith in. It is against green Bay. The matchup's good. So uh, it's, it's definitely a, a possibility. So I think, you know, mid to back in RB two is somewhere where he'll settle in.
1: We're going to talk about one more player in this tier here. It is Ty Chandler getting getting his uh, starting opportunity last week, highly productive ECR has him at RB25, so maybe our rankers in general not feeling it, maybe a little skeptical, maybe worried about Alexander Madison if he does return this week. But Pat and Billy, you are on the same side here, both being a little bit more optimistic towards Ty Chandler. Pat, you've got him at RB22. Billy, you've got him at RB20. So that's a pretty significant difference between ECR, but I like where you guys are heading here, and I want to hear your thoughts on this and why you're leaning more into Ty Chandler. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you
3: yeah, kind of you know, finally broke out. I've been watching a lot of film on Ty Chandler this year. He was pr- pretty obviously the better back amongst him and Madison all season. Um, the Vikings were committed to Madison prior to the injury, although now the the word is that Madison is supposed to, to make it back this week. he's he's already hit the practice field. That being said, they have already announced that Ty Chandler is going to have a feature role. Um, the feature rule last week was 80% of snaps and 44% of the routes, 82% of the rushing share. I don't expect those numbers to, to, to hit again here, um, this week, but I could see something on the lines of 55% possibly at the, uh, rushing attempts and, and more like, you know, 8% 8% to 9% of the targets um, pretty explosive back here. We saw it last week. I mean, he, he had 11 points in the first quarter, pretty much in fantasy matchups uh, total 23 rushing attempts, 132 yards and a score on the ground. Uh, a few more targets, receptions and 25 yards in the air uh, I guess the Detroit game. That should be, you know, a potential shootout this week. And um, I'm liking his chances again as an RB two. So um, like myself and Ty Chandler, and excited to see what he's able to do in this feature role.
1: Pat, how about you? I mean, when we're looking at Ty Chandler, we you know, really mentioned that shootout potential there. We've also got, you know, the potential that that is a more difficult um, uh, defensive matchup here. So are there any concerns around maybe the matchup for Ty Chandler?
2: Yeah. Um, slightly difficult matchup. Well, not a good matchup as far as the running game, but Detroit's run defense hasn't been quite as awesome as it was in the first month or so of the season. Um yeah, I mean, what we like, and and granted, I think if Alexander Madison does play, I'm probably going to move him back a few spots and maybe be a little closer to ECR at at RB25 just because I don't think we'd see Ty Chandler play 81% of the snaps like he did last week. But um, the genie's kind of out of the bottle here. Like, we haven't seen Alexander Madison do anything special all season, and then Ty Chandler comes in last week and has 132 rushing yards and a touchdown along with three catches for 25 yards. Finishes as the RB4. So, like Billy said, on film it looks great. Ty Chandler has burst. He's good as a runner and as a pass catcher. Um, yeah, so that matchup is pretty tricky. The Lions have a lot of the fewest fantasy points to running backs this year. But I, I still think Chandler should be ranked somewhere in the low-end RB2, high-end RB3 range just because of the usage. And, uh, you know, because he showed us last week, he's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I'm with you guys. And you mentioned it as well, you know, statistically and visually, we just haven't seen that out of Alexander Madison. So you got to assume that they Vikings got a pretty good look at that. And they're saying we got to get more volume to this guy. Moving on to the c plus tier, we've got James Conner, Austin Eckler in the c plus tier. My goodness. Javante Williams and Devin Singletary. We're going to pull out a couple of people in here. Shockingly, not Austin Eckler. Um, we're going to pull out James Conner here, the first one that we want to talk about. James Conner, rb 24 in ECR, Pat, you've got him at RB 27, Billy, you've got him at RB 28. So once again, you guys kind of lockstep on this one, not as optimistic around James Connor. Um, Billy, talk to us about why you're leaning away from James Conner a bit this week.
3: A lot of it's the matchup. Chicago has been very tough on the ground. Um, and in in the last, you know, four or five weeks, especially. And so um, he had a long run against the Niners. Niners, like I said, are are tough, but they're not the the stout defense that they used to once be against the run where nobody could get anything going. Um, The long run definitely helped. A touchdown helped last week. He finished. Uh, In half PPR as the RB11. But I just, again, don't like the matchup. I'm a little bit more hesitant. He's not getting the 20 touches a game. He got 14 last week, 25 week 13, six in week 12, right? 14 in week 11. So if he's floating in that 15 attempt range, and he's not able to break a long run, it's going to be pretty hard for him to hit, you know, inside the top 25. So I, I'm i a little bit down on James Conner this week, especially given the matchup.
1: Mm, that's a good point there. I mean, you know, ball, our fantasy points definitely were there in terms of what he scored, but the volume wasn't there. So that big run definitely did carry it. Pat, how are you approaching James Connor this week?
2: Yeah, I think he's getting this little bit of an ECR bump because he scored three touchdowns in the last two weeks. Um, but... That's sort of the thing with James Conner. Like, he's a, a TD-dependent guy to some extent, and, you know, whether he gets into the end zone is sort of the key to him having fantasy success for you. But the other key, and and kind of the under-the-radar one, is the Cardinals' ability to keep games close. Um, in, in games this season that the Cardinals have either won or lost by a one-score margin, Conner is averaging 17.7 carries. In the games that the Cardinals have lost by more than one score, which has been the case in four of Connor's 10 games this year, he's averaging just 9.3 carries. So we need the Cardinals, uh, if you are a James Connor investor, you need them to play close against the Bears. And, you know, they're only like a four point favorite in Chicago this week. So maybe there's a good chance that happens. But, um, you know, again, as Billy mentioned, the matchup isn't great. The Bears' run defense ranks third in DVOA, and uh, they're giving up just sixty-six point two rushing yards per game and three point six yards per carry to running backs. And and plus, Connor's just a, a zero as a pass catcher. Um, seven games James Connor's played since week four, ten catches, thirteen yards. That's one point three yards per catch for those of you scoring at home. That's that's not good. So, um, yeah, I mean, like he's run dependent, he's TD dependent, he is uh, close game dependent. So you need a lot of things to work in your favor for Connor to pay off.
1: Yeah, we talked about that matchup that Ty Chandler has against Detroit and how, you know, maybe Detroit's defense has been leaning towards being a little bit more vulnerable. Chicago is the opposite in there in the way that they have turned around their defense. Moving on to the next player that we want to talk about here. It is Javante Williams. Javante Williams is a very interesting one. He's an RB1, theoretically, but there's not often the volume there. We've got involvement from other running backs as well. ECR has him as RB27, so just outside of um, an RB2 range. And then you guys are kind of on opposite ends of this one. Not dramatically, but there's a four-ranking difference between the two of you sitting in terms of being on opposite sides of ECR. Pat, you've got Javante at RB29. Billy, you've got him at RB25. Pat, I'll start off with you. What's making you lean a little bit away from Javante Williams this week?
2: Here's kind of a weird stat on Javante Williams the last time he averaged four yards or better per carry in a game was October 22nd. Um, So that since week eight hasn't averaged four yards per carry in any game has averaged 3.4 yards per carry. He scored three touchdowns this year with only one touchdown run. Um, It's not like he's been terrible from a fantasy perspective, despite the inefficiency he's RB 24 in that stretch where he has averaged 3.4 yards per carry. But the matchup this week is absolutely terrible. The Patriots, they're awful this year, but the one thing they do really well is stop the run. They rank number one in DVOA against the run. They're giving up just 3.3 yards per carry to running backs. Um, Javante usually does chip in something as a pass catcher. like He's had at least two receptions in each of his last eight games. But I think he's going to need to do a lot as a pass catcher in order for him to pay off fantasy managers this week.
1: I agree. And it makes it difficult for him to pay off as a pass catcher when you've got some AJP P. Ryan working in there. And often he gets a large chunk of that receiving work as well. Billy, you're a little bit more in on Javante this week. Um, talk to us about why we should lean into Javante.
3: Pat already stole my thunder with the, with the New England stats against the run, but there's one thing with new England um, that they do give up quite a bit of points for. They're actually the ninth, they give up the ninth most receiving yards, to the running back position. And since week 12, Javante Williams has seen an average of 15% target share out of the backfield. In comparison, Samaja Piron in that time has seen 9%, and Julio McLaughlin has seen 6%. So if he is gonna be the favorite in the passing downs, uh, then I think that he has an ability to score here because since week 12, the Patriots have given up two touchdowns in the air to running backs and zero on the ground. So uh, there is a chance for him to to do some damage in the air as well against this New England defense.
1: Before we move on to the next tier, NFL fans, it is time to unwrap nonstop football action this holiday season, throw down on big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Maybe you want to look at some lines for some of the players that we have covered today, like Chuba Hubbard, maybe you can do that on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now with code FANTASYPROS. New customers can bet $5 on NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Moving on to the C tier, we've got Najee Harris, Jerome Ford, Gus Edwards, Jalen Warren, Tajay Spears, and Jarek McKinnon. Pittsburgh running backs always going in tandem in the same here we are going to talk about one of them but before we go into Pittsburgh we are going to stop in Baltimore and talk about Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards getting a unfortunate potential uptick in volume here with Keaton Mitchell out for the season. Gus Edwards is at RB 29 in ECR and despite the potential uptick in um, workload for him here you guys are both further back than consensus here. Pat, you've got him at RB34. Billy, you've got him at RB35. Or is it is it fear of another running back getting worked in? Maybe we see more Justice Hill. We've got Melvin Gordon that's coming up. Or is it just the touchdown dependency that really kind of causes a problem here for Gus Edwards? Pat, I'll start off with you.
2: Yeah, um, the thing is, Tara, I don't know if uh, Gus Edwards' role is going to change that much and be that much bigger because of the Keaton Mitchell. Uh, Ke- yeah, yeah the keaton mitchell injury by the way poor one out for keaton mitchell billy's guy yeah. um it's such an exciting talent and uh it, it's sad that we're probably not going to see him even at the start of the 2024 season but hopefully he makes a full recover recovery and we get him like second half of of 2024 um so yeah like i, I think it's just that we're going to see justin justice hill and melvin gordon um uh, getting the the touches that before we're going to Keaton Mitchell and Justice Hill. So I th- basically no real uptick in the Gus Edwards role, maybe two to three extra carries a game. But even before Keaton Mitchell became a thing and and Gus Edwards had, um, he'd had double digit carries nine times over a 10 game stretch before Keaton Mitchell came along and started uh, going off. But Gus Edwards' value, extremely touchdown-dependent over that stretch. You're you're getting the same Gus Edwards, is basically my point. And the Keaton Mitchell injury is not going to mean this rocket ride for Gus Edwards' fantasy value. Uh, it's going to be the same old story. If you get a touchdown or two from Gus Boss, and there's always a pretty fair chance of that happening, you're going to be pleased. But if Gus does not get into the end zone, you're going to be disappointed. I, I just— Don't expect Gus to all of a sudden start spitting out 100-yard days over the next two weeks just because Keaton Mitchell isn't around anymore. Uh, Gus's single-season high in rushing yardage is 80 yards. Second highest is 64 yards. I don't think it gets much better than that.
1: I like that line of thinking. Maybe we're sitting here and getting optimistic, thinking of opportunities that'll pop up, but it would be good to go back and look at previous rankings to see where we were looking at Gus Edwards before. He was never a really high upside guy that we were ranking very high. So this does kind of, it makes sense that we would fall more in line with what we were seeing earlier in the season. Again, more touchdown dependency. Billy, does the matchup play a factor in here for you?
3: Slightly, as I mentioned earlier, SF just hasn't been the same against the run as they had before. Like, and since Week Twelve, they're actually middle of the pack. They've given up the seventeenth uh, most fantasy points at the running back position. So it's not like I'm scared of the matchup uh, right now. It just breaks down to honestly just the amount of touches he's going to see. Like Pat said, and and that's this is the, this is the hardest thing about Gus. Like, I'm so looking forward to once again under or underranking Gus Edwards just so he can score two touchdowns and completely destroy my ranking at the running back position because it, we see it all the time. If you go back to, you know, back to the early weeks in weeks 2 through week 6 where he was averaging about 13 rushing attempts a game where he didn't see any touchdowns during that span, he was RB 18, 42, 38, 35, 35. And then insert the touchdowns from week 7 through week 9 where he saw you know, one touchdown against Detroit, three against Arizona, two against Seattle. And he's RB six, R B one, R B seven. So it's one of those, you know, live or die by the touchdown situations. And touchdowns, as we all know, are one of the most, you know, unpredictable stats in fantasy football. And it's something that we can't account for outside of um maybe a couple backs. I mean, Gus is probably as close to a good bet with him or he most right now in the season as it gets to scoring a touchdown at the at the goal line um so it's, it's a very hard situation to rank um and it's just it's hard to tell that being said though prior to the keaton mitchell emergence gus edwards did see roughly about 55 percent of the snaps he was seeing roughly about 60 percent of the rushing attempts um and so i do think melvin gordon's gonna be involved i don't think we'll quite go back to that level but I think 50 to 55 is probably not out of the question, um, but what can he do with those touches is the question.
1: We've got one more player that we want to pull out here in this tier. It is Jalen Warren, the Pittsburgh running backs. always a frustrating point for us to kind of try and decipher, you know, which one of them has the upside. If either one of them has the upside, ECR has Jalen Warren at RB 32. Pat, you are in line with ECR. You've got him at RB 31. Billy, you're a little bit higher at RB27. That'd be interesting to hear the feedback from you guys on this one, because prior to last week where Jalen Warren did get a little uptick um, in production from a fantasy perspective, both of the running backs had just been kind of for a couple of weeks. there very unusable under 10 fantasy points, disappointing, underwhelming the split, just kind of driving everyone crazy. Billy, I'll start off with you. When we're looking at Jalen Warren, what is making you lean a little bit more into him this week?
3: Uh, there's, there's a, you know, it seems to be kind of Pittsburgh's falling apart. George Pickens is, is kind of, you know, doing George Pickens things and, in, you know, upsetting people. Um, you saw Fryermouth pop up on the injury report yesterday. Um, then now, you know, you've had the split backfield. If we saw Jalen Warren's role when there was a lack of weapons in this offense, and there was a lot of increased touches inside the passing game. Um if if they you know divert this game a little bit more to the running backs based upon um maybe some of the injuries and maybe you know just trying to you know keep George Pickens kind of thumb down and press him in his place, um I could see a scenario where they lean in both these backs and they're wanting to um kind of you know silence the rest of the team. Um Tomlin is not a guy that plays these kind of games with the players. Um, And I think that we're going to see him take it out on on Pickens this week. He's not someone that's got the squeaky wheel does not get the oil instead of Mike Tomlin offense. It's usually the opposite way around. So I think that's going to benefit you more.
1: Okay, I like it. Not not that Najee is going to see a decrease in production, that they're just going to lean into both the running backs and both could have a little bit higher upside here. That makes sense. Moving on, or wait, before we move on, Pat, we got to get your thoughts on Jalen Warren as well. Um, Jalen Warren, when you're looking at him this week, you're a little bit more in line with ECR. One spot ahead here.
2: Yeah, um, Billy makes a really good point about the usage and, and if Fryermouth doesn't play and if George Pickens maybe sees a reduction in playing time, which certainly possible after the non-efforts he gave blocking in the running game last week, um, that could mean an uptick in Jalen Warren's passing game usage. Um, like for the most part, I think we've seen Warren's usage stay pretty steady all season, but we've seen some week to week variance in the results. Um, and like with that steady usage, He's been RB twenty nine in PPR points per game. That's right in between where Billy and I have him in our rankings this week. So I I think that's pretty accurate. And uh, you know, decent matchup against the Bengals who just let Ty Chandler go off last week. So yeah, I, I tend to be a little bit more enthusiastic than ECR is on on Jalen Warren.
1: And from memory, I feel like you guys have been pretty spot on when it turns when it uh, comes to both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris this week, or for the entire year really. Uh, moving on to the next tier here, we've got the C-minus tier. Dante Foreman, Chase Brown creeping up here. Good to see. Zamir White, Antonio Gibson, and Josh Jacobs. Now, obviously, some of this shakeout will happen here with some of these running backs here, depending on how um, injuries happen, particularly with the Vegas running backs being here in the same tier. But when you guys are looking at this tier, let's assume Josh Jacobs moves out of the tier and doesn't play this week. So, if we're looking at just Foreman, Brown, White, and Gibson, which of these running backs would you be more willing to lean in towards? Billy, I'll start off with you.
3: Chase Brown's been a, a pleasant surprise, especially in the passing game. He's kind of been eaten into that mix and roll and has had some pretty explosive plays. So, I think I'd lean into uh, Brown here and, and kind of play the, the hot hand approach as a fantasy player and, and, and kind of capitalize on his involvement inside the offense, especially with a uh, hurt Jamar Chase
1: uh yeah very good point about jamar chase you could get a little bit you know doubling down on the running backs we've seen both of them use chase brown used at the beginning of the game as well so not a garbage time situation here uh yeah i like that line of thinking All Right, pat in this tier who else are you looking at
2: yeah i mean chase brown has looked great but i i do worry um about the usage, even though yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a spike in his target total if Jamar Chase is out. Well, I guess we know Jamar Chase will be out. Um, but really it's it's Zamir White. Like if Josh Jacobs doesn't play, Zamir White is gonna move into RB two territory for me. And um, you know, like a matchup against a Chiefs defense that has been much better against the pass than it has been against the run. So you figure Zamir White's in a, a pretty good spot to get fifteen to twenty carries this week if Josh Jacobs misses another game. Uh, I would like him a lot, and I'd be moving him up in my rankings pretty significantly.
1: Yeah, the Zamir White one is interesting to me because he got the bulk of the workload there. We can't deny that was an excellent matchup for him to get the bulk of the workload. But it was encouraging to see them lean into the young guy versus the veterans. Before we move on to the next year, it's that holiday time of year again. Looking for something different for that favorite person on your list? Think game time, tickets for sports, concerts, and comedy shows. They all make a fantastic gift this year, even if it's last minute. So many games to watch on any given day, but wouldn't it be better to just be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on GameTime, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you view the seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Their all-in prices show your total up front. So you always know you're getting a great deal and it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Download the GameTime app and enter Fantasy Pros for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the GameTime app and enter Fantasy Pros. All one word for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Moving on to the D tier. It's a smaller tier. We've got Tyler Algier, Zach Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson, and I'll include the D, uh, D tier here with the D plus tier as well. We've got Kareem Hunt, Brian Robinson, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Looking at this tier, it's a bunch of guys who just, aside from Brian Robinson, obviously dealing with the injury, a um, bunch of guys who we don't know how much we can lean in towards. Uh, maybe let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here for a second. Assuming that he is the lead back, is this the right tier for him, or would you be moving him further up? Pat, I'll start off with you.
2: Yeah, he'd be higher. Um, I don't know if we can trust Andy Reid on this, but he says Isaiah Pacheco is coming back this week. So, um, like, we would have to move him down. Um, one of the guys who interests me from this tier, though, Tara, R- Roshan Johnson. Um, we've, we've sort of seen the Bears shift around their backfield usage Uh, in recent weeks. One minute, it looks like Roshan is kind of the lead guy, and then it's Deonta Foreman. Um, I think they're probably going to use all three of Foreman, Roshan, and Khalil Herbert this week, but maybe you can use all three and still get one or two of those guys to pay off uh, from a fantasy perspective against the Arizona Cardinals in a very favorable home matchup.
1: Well, these Chicago running backs, I feel like we've been yanked back and forth. But Billy, you you were the one that last week or prior weeks was saying that they could be leaning into Roshan um, as they close out the season, just to kind of see what he's got since he is the youngest of the backs and they need to explore more in terms of capabilities um, from this tier, these two tiers here. Who are you looking at?
3: Yeah, it's Roshan Johnson. I I still think we're going to continue to see more of him in this backfield. And he's just, quite frankly, the most talented back of of the group and as well as the best uh, pass blocker as well. So I think he's going to continue to see that role kind of develop and and continue throughout the rest of the season for the final weeks. 18% target share last week. He saw 53% of the snaps. Um, This is a piece inside this tier that I'm, you know, with that volume that I'm excited about.
1: Moving on to the D-minus tier, we've got Rico Dowdle back up there in Dallas, Justice Hill, Jamal Williams, Kenneth Gainwell, and Khalil Herbert, who we just talked about in that Chicago backfield. Looking at this tier, it's an interesting tier because they're obviously all guys with backup roles and potential low-volume plays. But every now and then, we do see them kind of creeping up there in terms of getting heavier amount of carries. Um, Billy, in this tier, is there anyone that you could potentially see yourself pulling out with some upside?
3: Yeah, I think Justice Hill is mispriced here. I think he probably belongs in the C tier um right now in that you know RB30 to RB38 range um because we talked about it earlier, you know, Keaton Mitchell's gone and prior to Keaton Mitchell um kind of emerging, he was seeing roughly, you know, 50% of the snaps, 48, 49, 43 and he was consistently seeing, you know, anywhere from 5 to 16% of the targets, so it kind of varied week by week. So if we see that kind of usage again, I think he's mispriced this week.
1: Pat, how about you?
2: I agree with Billy on Justice Hill. Um, we saw Justice Hill have some spike weeks early in the season when it was just him and Gus Edwards and there was no Keaton Mitchell. So that that could conceivably happen again. I don't love the matchup against the 49ers, but as Billy pointed out last week, the 49ers run defense isn't this um, just – skull and crossbones matchup that it used to be.
1: We're going to move on to the next segment here, the who would you rather segment. And this first one is interesting here. Ezekiel Elliott versus the Broncos. Zeke having that fantastic first start where he got all volume, RB1, everyone leaning in, and then came right back down to reality this prior week. So we've got Ezekiel Elliott versus Brees Hall, who has an excellent matchup in the commanders as well. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather, Ezekiel Elliott or Brees Hall?
3: You know, Brees Hall's been pretty dreadful, quite frankly, since pretty much since Week Nine. Um, I was expecting a bigger week last week against Miami. Only finished RB fifty-eight, as you saw. New York Giants just couldn't put up any yardage at all, all game, um, including Hall. Um, that being said, I think Hall probably has a good chance to outscore Zeke this week against Washington. Washington has given up the eighth most fantasy points to the running back position since week 12. So I I'm going to lean into Hall here slightly. It's a I do have them both, you know, just outside the RB1 territory. They're back to back my ranking, so it's very close, but slight nod to Hall.
1: Yeah, that was a weird game last week. Usually at the very least, you can rely on receiving volume, but he got absolutely nothing. Very disappointing to fantasy managers. Pat, who would you rather?
2: Oh, I hate to go against Billy here, but I got to go with Zeke. And it, it seems like a certainty that Ramondre Stevenson isn't going to be back this week. Uh, Bill Belichick was non-committal when asked if Ramondre would be back at all this season. And if he's not sure Ramondre is going to be back by week 18, seems pretty unlikely he's back in week 16. So um, in the first game after the Stevenson injury, Zeke had 22 carries for 68 yards against the Steelers and seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. That was good for 27 fantasy points and an RB1 finish for the week. Last week against a good Chiefs defense, well, their run defense isn't so great, but um, Zeke had 11 carries for 25 yards, 5 catches for 21 yards, RB27, not as good. Um, So the turbocharged usage that Zeke got in the passing game two weeks ago, I think that was largely the result of Demario Douglas and Devontae Parker being out for the Patriots that week. Um, but this week, Zeke might be able to get it done just on the ground because he's got a really good matchup against a Denver run defense that has given up a league-high 1,808 yards to running backs. Uh, they've allowed 104 more rushing yards than the next worst team, the Cardinals, who have allowed, uh, what, 1,704. So I have Zeke ranked running back 14. I'm well above consensus on him. I just – Billy mentioned it with Brees Hall – just not getting it done on the ground. Like the Jets are terrible on offense, and it is dragging Brees Hall down. He has not had more than 50 rushing yards in a game since week five. I just can't stay on the Brees Hall bandwagon. So you're
3: saying
1: this oh. chance, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'm sorry, Billy. I'm with Pat on this one. I got to (laughs) go with Zeke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully we see an increase in touches, but at the very least, I do think he has a better chance to produce the better fantasy value than Brees Hall, unfortunately. Although that matchup is so juicy. You want to lean into it, but it's just so tough to trust the Jets. This next, who would you rather? Very intriguing here. We've got Austin Eckler versus the Bills. Not an ideal matchup and obviously no Justin Herbert there. Or Kenneth Walker versus the Titans, another matchup that is definitely not ideal. But last week, Kenneth Walker kind of came to life. Very strong performance, looked excellent against what should have been a difficult matchup as well. So where are we leaning in, guys? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Pat, I'll start off with you.
2: It's Walker for me, Tara. And you said it. He balled out last week against the Eagles. 19 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Um, Still sharing work with Zach Charbonnet. Walker played 34 snaps last week. Charbonnet played 27. And as you mentioned, the matchup against the Titans this week is not ideal. But Walker is just a really, really good player. And um, we don't really know if if Austin Eckler is still a really good player. I mean, we we long assumed that he was, um, but maybe he's been playing hurt all year. He had that high ankle sprain early in the season. And uh, since coming back from that injury in week five, Eckler's been RB18 in PPR scoring, and he's averaged just 38.9 rushing yards a game and 3.1 yards per carry since coming back from the ankle injury. So, um, Plus, the Chargers basically put Austin Eckler on ice last week when they started getting trucked by the Raiders, and now they're double-digit underdogs in this game against the Bills, who Uh, I don't think are going to let their their foot off the gas pedal since they really need every win they can to position themselves in this AFC playoff race. Maybe Eckler gets another early rest if the Chargers start uh, getting blown out again. So give me Kenneth Walker here.
1: Oh, it's so painful. You know, a lot of times you see these teams coach fire, come out and rally. But is there anything left to really rally? It's just Austin Eckler left. Billy, where, where do you lean on this one?
3: Kenneth Walker has had had more attempts last game than Austin Eckler has had rushing yards in two of his last three games. <laughs> so, I I just don't trust Austin Eckler anymore. Um, you know, it just doesn't look to be the same player. This offense is a mess. It's kind of dysfunctional. It's falling apart. There's no reason for them to really put him out there and 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 risk an injury or you know potential re-injury or whatever it may be. Um, I think. You know, pour one out for Keaton Mitchell, pouring out for Austin Eckler and your fantasy teams, but I just think that we can't trust him at this point.
1: It is a clean sweep. I too am leaning into Kenneth Walker.
0: Wide receivers.
1: Now we're gonna look at these top twenty-five players here. And our consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasybros.com/slash rankings. Now looking at this top twenty-five here. Billy, I'll start off with you. What stands out here?
3: Rasheed Rice inside wide receiver one territory. He has had three wide receiver one finishes of his last four weeks, finishing as wide receiver four in week 12 against uh, Las Vegas, uh, in week 14 as wide receiver 12 against Buffalo, and then Last week against New England as wide receiver 10. Uh, I think the Rasheed Rice season is finally upon us. This is a guy that a lot of analysts pegged as a breakout for the second half of the season. It has come and he gets Las Vegas again here this week in week 16. Looks like another top, top wide receiver finish this week as well.
1: So happy to see Rasheed Rice making that push at the end of the season. Pat, what stands out for you here?
2: It's got to be Rasheed Rice. The the same thing, and I I hate to uh, piggyback on Billy here, but like, I was thinking about this. Well, first of all, Rasheed Rice has averaged, like I believe, eight catches a game over that four-game stretch where he has just been smashing. I was thinking that Rasheed Rice is having the kind of season that back in, oh, spring, early summer, we thought maybe Kadarius Toney might have for the Chiefs. Because they're sort of using Rasheed Rice in the same way. Like, it's a lot of schemed-up touches to him. A lot of wide receiver screens, just get the ball in his hands and let him work his magic after the catch. Sort of the same thing we thought Kadarius Toney was going to be really good at this year. And, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony, of course, had that disastrous opening night performance against the Lions and, and just it never really got any better for him. Meanwhile, Rasheed Rice just steps into that role and has been excelling in it. And even though the whole season he has not been playing like the sort of snap shares you thought maybe he should be, I mean, they they've been playing in more snaps lately, but for a while he was getting like 50, 60% snap shares, but they were just targeting him at such a high rate on the snaps he did play. Um, so yeah, like Rasheed Rice has just sort of out kicked expectations all year long. And, uh, I don't really have a big beef with him being ranked in wide receiver one range this week.
1: I like that. Rishi Rice having the season that we had hoped or thought was possible for Kadarius Tony. Oh yes. Kadarius Tony disastrous season. It's just not panning out the way that we thought, but it's great to see the rookie making this level of impact again for in depth analysis on any of these players go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you're using our, my playbook app, Now we're going to do something special here, actually. Usually we jump into the B tier and we start going through the players, but since it's our final show, we're going to do something a little special. We want to pull one player in particular out from the top 25 and talk about it because Pat and Billy have one player in mind here in the top 25 that is ranked very differently from ECR It's Jordan Addison. So let's talk about Jordan Addison here. ECR has Addison at wide receiver 25 Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 29. Billy, you've got him all the way back at wide receiver 35. So this is drastically different for both of you from ECR. Very critical to talk about here. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. Looking at Jordan Addison, uh, how are you approaching him this week?
3: Addison, you know, so he's getting the double touchdown bump is what I call it. You know, scored two touchdowns last week, everyone moving him up the rankings. Uh, But it's his first touchdown since week eight. And since week eight, he's finished as wide receiver 35. And this is half point PPR. Wide receiver 33, wide receiver 47, wide receiver 48, wide receiver 62. Scores the two and, of course, finishes as the wide receiver one for the week with 111 yards. But he just doesn't get the targets that we need to see from a top, you know, 30 receiver top 25 receiver he's getting three targets a game in week 14 six last week six in week 11 seven week 10 so until we can see pretty consistent usage in those double digit target range I'm having trouble ranking him inside where we see ECR have him right now especially seeing how touchdown dependent he has been in order for him to hit these numbers. Uh, it's kind of touchdown or bust for him. This is, I want to call him, I don't want necessarily want to call him the Gus Edwards of wide receivers, but we're starting to get that way in <laughs> terms of, you know, overall fantasy finishes in fantasy output based upon the touchdowns. Because uh, if you look at the yardage, he's only had a hundred uh, yards twice the season, once last week, once in week seven against San Francisco. And outside that he only eclipsed the 80 yard mark once all season. So very touchdown dependent in order for him to hit this
1: mark. The Gus Edwards of wide receivers. Does that does that make eventually hopefully Keaton Mitchell the Justin Jefferson of running backs? <laughs> maybe we can do that one day when he's back healthy. <laughs> Pat, how are you looking at Jordan Addison this week?
2: Yeah, uh, Billy makes a, a great case here, and he makes me think that even though I have Jordan Addison ranked four spots below ECR, maybe I'm I'm still too high on him. Um, but. Uh, Here's the thing i I was above consensus on Jordan Addison last week because I think he's a, a really good receiver, and I wasn't that concerned about the return of Justin Jefferson like totally making Jordan Addison disappear from the Vikings offense. And I know that Nick Mullins is not aggressive or not shy about throwing downfield aggressively. So Addison went out and smashed and and had the hundred and eleven yards and two touchdowns against the against the Bengals. And now, all of a sudden, I'm ranking him in basically the same place I had him ranked last week, and, and now I'm well below consensus. So there's definitely some recency bias in the ECR ranking here. Um, you know, I, I certainly think that Addison is pretty playable in a good matchup against the Lions. Um, but yeah, I, I do think ECR is uh, a little aggressive, and I, I think Addison is probably going to be a tricky start-sit call for a lot of people this week.
1: Mm, Yeah, I I agree with you guys. It's a little gross. I do like the matchup against Detroit. I always like the matchups against Detroit. But yeah, it does feel like it's a little much. We're going to go ahead and jump into our B tier here. We've got Chris Olave, hopefully coming back this week, Drake, London, Chris Godwin coming off the massive game. And then Nico Collins, again, another one that we're hoping will come back again this week. And we're going to talk about one person in particular in this tier. It is Drake, London, Drake, London, poor Drake, London. Um, had that fantastic week just a week before last week where he had just the a career day for him. Fantastic. Living up to the Drake London we expected, and then he came back down to the Drake London that is pulled down by his quarterback, and now he is getting a new quarterback this week. The poor Atlanta Falcons players that we hope for from a fantasy perspective just getting yanked back and forth here. ECR has Drake London at wide receiver twenty nine. You guys are feeling more positively, Pat, a little bit more positively, Billy, a lot more positively. I like to see this because hopefully we can get a nice bounce back from Drake London this week. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 27. Billy, you got him at wide receiver 22. Pat, I'll start off with you. Drake London this week, (laughs) new quarterback in not even new, returning quarterback, Taylor Heineke here. How are we looking at Drake London this week with Taylor Heineke at quarterback?
2: Yeah, so I'm a little above ECR here, but I wouldn't necessarily say that makes me super optimistic about Drake London. And this is a personal one for me because if uh, Michael Pittman doesn't return this week, I'm going to have to start Drake London in one of my semifinals this week. Um, and quite honestly, Tara, I have no idea what to make of, of Drake London or what to expect. Here are his yardage totals for the last four games: ninety-one, eight, a hundred and seventy-two. 24. So Drake London has just been all over the map. It, it shouldn't be this hit or miss for a young receiver who is this talented and who plays on a team that has no other good wide receivers. But here we are uh, in the Arthur Smith twilight zone. Yeah, Taylor Heineke taking over for Desmond Ritter. Like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that that helps London because Heineke is a more aggressive downfield thrower than Desmond Ritter is. Um, But in Heineke's two previous starts, London only played in one of them, and I I think he only had like three catches for 34 yards. So who knows? Um, And and London, I guess one thing you can fall back on if you're thinking about starting London this week, he probably is going to be running most of his routes against the Colts, young outside cornerbacks, Jalen Jones and Juju Brents. Those are winnable matchups for Drake London. So, yeah, cautiously optimistic for this Highly unpredictable fantasy asset
1: uh cautiously optimistic I like that I, I I feel that exact same way, Millie, you are definitely being optimistic here with wide receiver twenty two ranking, but I like it. Talk us into Drake London and why he's going to have a bounce back week here,
3: okay, so I think a little bit of this is going to be more on the personnel side and maybe slightly less statistically based, so take that with a grain of salt, but first and foremost. Taylor Heineke is an upgrade for me from Desmond Ritter. Pat mentioned he pushes the ball down the field a bit more. I think we're going to see a little bit more of a pass-heavy approach. But back to the personnel side, Arthur Blank made some comments this week about Arthur Smith that may indicate that Arthur Smith may not be back next year. So that being said, I think that we might see Arthur Smith take a little bit more chances when it comes to the play calling, when it comes to... Uh, how they're going to move the ball down the field. That's why we're seeing a change at quarterback. His job may be on the line. And if that is the indication, I think this is where they start leaning into the studs that we thought they were going to use to begin with. So we're talking about an increased workload for – Drake London, increased workload for Pitts, increased workload for Bijan Robinson. If they don't, he could potentially be terminated for it. That being said, this is one of the most easiest route or the most easiest target trees to kind of decipher inside of fantasy at the wide receiver position. And we have seen Drake London see consistently above 24% of the target share. So all these changes combined together, I'm feeling optimistic about Drake London.
1: Yeah, I don't know if anyone saw, I'm sure you guys did, and to our listeners out there, if you didn't see Arthur Smith's press conference, where he was kind of talking there about expectations rest of the season, it was a drastically different Arthur Smith than we have seen in press conferences than uh, earlier in the season. So yeah, I, I agree, Billy. I think he was definitely put on notice in terms of expectations. And we will see kind of a change in philosophy here, because he knows that he cannot keep pushing the same concepts and simply survive. It's not going to happen here. Moving on to the B minus here, we've got Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, and Jacoby Myers. We're going to talk about Deontay Johnson here. Deontay Johnson, very interesting because he has been, you know, improving a little bit. I mean, it hasn't been drastic, but of the Steelers wide receivers, he has definitely been the most consistent. ECR has him around wide re- at wide receiver 32. You guys are a little bit further back, not drastically. But a little bit further back on Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 34, wide receiver 35. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit during the uh, running back portion of the show. So I can guess, I think I can guess the justification here from you guys in terms of moving it back that it's not Deontay. It is unfortunately the Steelers as a whole, their quarterback situation, the team just in the downward spiral here. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. Um, What makes you a little bit? a little bit further back than consensus on Deontay Johnson this week.
3: Yep. You, you touched base on it. It's just the dysfunction of the offense and team. We're literally seeing players quit like mid game. We saw Pickens not do a block. We saw Deontay Johnson a few weeks ago, just stand on the sidelines and not do anything. He didn't even like hardly move. And so when we see this type of play from players, they're checked out mentally, they're checked out physically. They don't want to risk injury because they don't want to, you know, put uh, their all into it. That worries me from a fantasy perspective, because we're going to see that translate to how they are going to be running routes, how they're going to be finishing plays, how they're going to how much effort they're going to put in for yards after the catch. So all these things come into mind for me when I'm doing these rankings. And I I know it's it's not your, your typical analytics, but it needs to be considered when we're doing rankings.
1: Yeah, not typical analytics, but it is a really, really critical point there in terms of how this team is functioning and the way that it affects those wide receivers. Pat, how are you approaching Deontay Johnson this week?
2: Yeah, um, good point about the uh, team morale and just the overall nosedive that the Pittsburgh Steelers have taken lately. Um, But like, there's also a usage thing at play. Um, It's funny. We generally perceive Deontay Johnson as this this high-volume receiver who gets a lot of targets and a lot of catches but never scores touchdowns. Um, well over his last seven games, Deontay Johnson is averaging just 6.7 targets a game and 46.4 receiving yards, but he scored three touchdowns in his last three games. He's, he's had a touchdown catch in three straight, which, you know, so rare for a guy who is notorious for not getting into the end zone. Uh, go figure, but I will add one note of optimism since you guys paint kind of a bleak picture of the Steelers going forward. Uh, Mason Rudolph has not started a game for the Steelers at quarterback since week 10 of 2021. And in that game, Deontay Johnson had a team-high 13 targets and finished with seven catches for 83 yards. So maybe there is hope for Deontay uh, being an alpha receiver this week.
1: Moving on to the C plus tier, we've got Jaden Reed, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Josh Downs, Noah Brown, and Jackson Smith and Jigma. This is a very usable tier here, aside from a couple guys that are maybe a little bit shaky in terms of reliability, but I think there's some interesting players that you can pull here. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Which player in this tier do you ultimately think is the most reliable and which has the most upside?
2: For upside, let's say Josh Downs. Um, especially if Michael Pittman doesn't play this week. Like that could be a potentially interesting one. Um, you know, upside, like I'm always intrigued by the talent level of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I, I like the matchup a lot this week. Um, you know, one one guy yeah, one guy it's not gonna be for me though, is Noah Brown. Like I, I think yeah. he does not belong in this tier just because CJ Stroud isn't gonna play.
1: That's a good point. I was I although I was much further down on him last week because I just didn't think that he would mesh well um, with uh, Case Keenum and the skill set there.
2: It did work. Yeah,
1: it did work out a little bit better than I expected. Billy, for you, who are you looking at this in this tier who you could potentially pull from here?
3: Jaden Reed. Death taxes and Jaden Reed touchdowns is what we can expect <laughs> inside. Uh, he's clearly been the the favorite in the passing game for Jordan Love, um, and I think that he's going to continue to do so as long as that, that uh, toe injury doesn't bother him. But uh, wide receiver 8 in Week 14, wide receiver 19 in Week 15, um, he's hot, and I think it's going to continue here against Carolina.
1: Oh, yeah, that'll be interesting because Carolina has been such um, a strong matchup against opposing wide receivers. But Jaden Reed has been incredibly reliable, and he's also able to produce those touchdowns on the ground as well. So there's a couple of avenues I can see him being reliable where people might tilt away from him in this matchup. So I'm with you on that one, too. Moving on to the seed here, we've got Odell Beckham Jr., Josh Palmer coming back last week to the big day, Curtis Samuel, George Pickens, who we've talked about here, Jerry Judy, DeMario Douglas, Gabe Davis, Rashid Shaheed, and Romeo Dobbs, another Packers player. But we have one person in particular that we're going to pull out here, and I am very excited, oddly enough, to talk about this one. I know that seems weird. Once I say the name, you guys will be like, you're excited to talk about him. I am, because... Pat and Billy are on completely opposite sides on this one. And I like it because I, too, am leaning one particular way. I'm not going to reveal it, although maybe if you watch um, some waiver shows, you might know which way I feel about this one. But ECR has Curtis Samuel at wide receiver 42. Pat, you're a little bit lower on him. You got him at wide receiver 47. And Billy, you're in on Curtis Samuel more than ECR. You got him at wide receiver 36. Um, we'll start off with the with the dissenting opinion here. We will start off with Pat. Talk us out of Curtis Samuel.
2: Yeah, I hate the matchup against the Jets, who are allowing far and away the fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers. I, I know the Jets are not quite as good against slot receivers as they are against perimeter receivers, but um, I, I just don't want to be invested in this Washington offense right now. Um, they made a change at quarterback last week although now they're going back to Sam Howell but they briefly benched him for Jacoby Brissett last week and it seemed like Brissett was favoring Terry McLaurin heavily uh when Brissett played so if if uh Sam Howell struggles against the Jets which is a distinct possibility and he's once again benched like I don't know if Brissett and Samuel are going to click the way Howell and uh Samuel have but yeah it was just It was funny in that game. It it didn't seem like the commanders were uh, playing with a great deal of urgency on offense while they were making a comeback against the Rams. And they were gaining ground on the Rams, but, like, they're running the ball. They're going kind of slowly. Uh, If you didn't know better, you'd think maybe they were tanking for draft position or something. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just, like, I'm not crazy about the Washington offense this week and just kind of don't want to start any commanders if I don't have to.
1: That's a good point. I hear it there. And, you know, the Jacoby Brissett thing with that's um, interesting as well, because I had always thought that maybe it wasn't Sam Howell in terms of how who he was favoring or not favoring within the offense, that maybe it was more Ron Rivera and Eric the But Jacoby Myers came in there and was aggressive towards Terry McLaurin. So very interesting. Definitely something to watch out for. But Billy, I'm ready for you to talk to us positively about Curtis Samuel.
3: Yeah. Matchup's not great, but Pat mentioned they can be beaten in the slot and Terry McLaurin runs the, in the slot about 69% of the time, which is good for the 14th most at the wide receiver position. Uh, This is the defense that they're going to have to beat inside in those short intermediate routes. So I think this is going to be a game script that's going to favor Curtis Samuel. And if you look at his fantasy finishes uh, since week 12, including the bye, he's actually wide receiver 24. If he scored even any fantasy points, if it wasn't a buy that week, he's probably inside the top 20 position pretty easily. And we have seen him since since then as well, week 12, with a 25% target share during the course um, here and is the clear favorite outside of Terry McLaurin, um, where Jahan Dotson is just getting cardio running around the field um, and drawing coverages. So um, despite the matchup, I think it is tough, but I think that it's going to be one that's going to favor Curtis Samuel in the passing game.
1: I'm with you, Billy, on this one. I do lean more in towards Curtis Samuel. It's it's strange, but I, in terms of the reliability for the receivers for Washington, I just feel like it's been Curtis Samuel that we can just lean on in there in terms of the guaranteed target share in production. Painful, but true. Moving on to the next segment here, we're going to do another who would you rather segment. Always fun. And this one is going to be super fun because it is First off, a guy in T. Higgins that came back to life after feeling like we were just completely done with T. Higgins, unfortunately for the year, getting absolutely nothing out of him, and he came back in a big way, taking on the Steelers this week. T. Higgins or Zay Flowers coming off a very painful game, personally painful for me. If I had just had just a little Zay Flowers production, we would have had a different result there in the Scott Fishball. But we're moving on. It's okay. We're going to move on from it. T. Higgins. Versus Zay Flowers, who do you got here? I will start off with you, Pat.
2: Give me T Higgins Uh, with no Jamar Chase. Higgins goes from supporting actor to leading man. And yeah, you sort of alluded to it, Tara. Higgins has had this roller coaster of a season with more downs than ups, but he is coming off a two touchdown game against the Vikings. Uh, He had either eight or nine targets in that game. I can't remember. And finished with four catches for 61 yards, plus the two scores. I'm trying to avoid recency bias with Zay Flowers because, uh, Terry, you were not the only one who was burned by <laughs> that one-catch, seven-yard performance in a fantasy playoff game uh, and having Zay Flowers in it. So, But it's not entirely recency bias because Flowers has had 25 or fewer receiving yards in four of his last seven games. So it's it's not just a one-game thing. There have been other disappearances in the recent past. Lamar Jackson seems to be spreading the ball around. I just think T. Higgins has a brighter target outlook than Zay Flowers, and I don't really love Zay's matchup against the 49ers either.
1: Yeah, tough matchup, spreading the ball around. Isaiah likely stepping into that Mark Andrews role fairly well. So there's competition there. Billy, T. Higgins, or Zay Flowers?
3: Yeah, it's also. T Higgins for me, um, when you remove Jamar chase out of the equation, you're opening up about 25 to 30% of the targets on a week to week basis, which is going to consolidate those targets pretty clearly between T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, You know, it's like Pat's mentioned, he said this roller rollercoaster season, you know, three finishes inside the top 10, uh, at the wide receiver position, three finishes outside wide receiver 82 this season. And so I think that he's going to come through though, when it matters most, instead of the fantasy playoffs as anyone who rosters him is already out though. And, uh, they get to watch the fantasy points accumulate here, uh, for the remaining couple weeks, um, seeing that he didn't help them through the season, but it is going to be T Higgins for me over Zay
2: flowers. Billy, when you talked about uh, spreading around those missing Jamar Chase targets, you forgot to mention the seven tight ends the Bengals are now using on a (laughs) weekly basis. (laughs) And and two running backs now.
1: I'll tell you, the way I've been streaming Tanner Hudson in a tight end premium league, it works. Let me tell you, it works. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the next, who would you rather? Jacoby Myers versus the Chiefs or Jackson Smith and Jigba versus the Titans? Two guys that are not the primary look in their offense, but do have some um, potential upside here. So, Billy, I'll start off with you. Jacoby Myers or Jackson Smith and Jigba?
3: This is a very close one for me, but I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers uh, just because it's it's the number two versus the number three per se. Um, and this over under in the week is at 41 and a half. So it could potentially become a shootout. Um, Vegas kind of the jackal and hide the last couple of weeks, one of the lowest scores of the of the season versus, you know, one of the highest <laughs> scoring outputs of the season. And so if we can see anything like we saw last week uh, against this Kansas City Chiefs offense, I think we could be looking at a potential shootout. So. I'm going to get a piece of that. Um, Vegas looks like they're coming off a hot trend. And I think that, um, you know, the coaching staff has everything uh, to prove that they should remain here in the, in the, in the, in the coming year. But um, I think they're going to utilize every playbook they have um, that could potentially get them a win here. So Jacoby Myers for me,
1: Pat, how about you?
2: Oh, yeah. um, I have flip-flopped on this one, and I'm glad I do not have to make this start-sit decision myself, because this one would have me tearing my hair out. Um, I initially had Jacoby Myers ranked one spot higher, but I've flip-flopped and now have JSN ranked one spot higher. I mean, I've, I've been lower than consensus on Jacoby Myers for the last two months, because his target total really uh, plummeted after the Raiders benched Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, early in the year, he was routinely seeing around 8, 9, 10 targets a game. Um, he's averaged 4.3 targets over his last seven games, uh, but he scored a touchdown in two of the last three weeks, which has sort of buoyed his fantasy value. Jason didn't really do much the first month of the season, but he's averaged 4.1 catches and 47.9 receiving yards over his last 10 games. Just had that game-winning touchdown catch against the Eagles on Monday night. And I like his matchup against the Titans. So I'm going to go with Jackson Smith and Jigba here.
1: It is close for me too, but I lean towards Jackson Smith and Jigba. All right, we're going to do one more segment here. Flex appeal. This is always one of my favorites because it's fun. It's fun because we're talking multiple positions all together. And sometimes those are the most difficult ones to rank. A lot of factors go into it. So Patton Billy, I'm going to give you three players that fall into the flex zone, and you guys are going to order these three players for me. Pat, I'll start off with you. The first one is Jerome Ford versus Zay Flowers versus Chris Godwin.
2: Oh, man, we can't get away from Zay Flowers here, can we, Tara? (laughs) He keeps getting thrown (laughs) back in our faces. Um, Yeah, so for me, it would be Jerome Ford first, then Godwin, then Flowers. Um, Ford's rushing usage has tapered off a bit in recent weeks. He's still getting around 10 carries a game, but he's been very, very, heavily involved as a pass catcher with 16 receptions over his last four games. Godwin coming off the big 10 catch 155 yard day against uh, our Packers, but chalk that one up to the ridiculous soft zone coverage. Green Bay was showing the Buccaneers in that game. It was the first time since October 22nd that Chris Godwin has produced more than 54 receiving yards in a game. So um, yeah, I expressed my reservations about Zay Flowers earlier and his somewhat volatile fantasy profile the 25 or fewer receiving yards in four of his last seven games so jerome ford first then godwin then flowers
1: billy how about you
3: i'm nodding in approval yes i uh i also have it in the same order um i am always going to favor the running back who's seeing the bulk of the touches here you know a full-time running back uh 57 of snaps since since week 12 He's seeing uh, over 40% of the rushing opportunities. He's seeing 52% of the routes, 12% of the targets since week 12. And so I I love the consistency that we get out of Jerome Ford, and he is a big play, so he could potentially take one uh, to the house at any given time. And I do think that it's uh, this is against Houston. I think this is actually going to be a better game. People are anticipating and I I could see, you know, Jerome Ford being heavily utilized inside the passing game this week. So um, Godwin has just been a bit more consistent for me over Zay. I got him uh, into the top 20 at the position at the wide receiver position. And I got Zay just outside uh, or just at wide receiver 30. So a little bit more pessimistic about Zay Flowers. It's
1: a claim sweep. I agree with you guys. We're doing one more flex appeal here. It is Dante Foreman versus George Pickens versus Dallas Goddard. This is an intriguing one. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. How are you ordering these three?
3: Uh, all Two on the bench is what I'd say. Now I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go Dallas Goddard number one, Pickens number two, Foreman number three. Uh, it just breaks down to one. I'm anytime we have a, a tier like this, I'm gonna follow the better offense. And I know that Philly hasn't been great, but it's still the better offense amongst Houston and, uh, as you say, at least without Stroud in Houston. Um, and then of course, Pittsburgh with their dysfunction right now. So Goddard for me is the clear number one. Pickens, I think has the highest upside of the group, but I just, the the dysfunction here in Pittsburgh right now just has me concerned.
1: Pat, how about you?
2: Uh, I'm going to go against Billy on this one and I'm going to go with Deonta Foreman. And I know that Roshan Johnson is Billy's guy in the Chicago backfield. And I I think it would make more sense for the bears to give uh, Roshan Johnson like a, a bigger audition for 2024 in the final weeks of the season but I still feel like Deonta Foreman is going to get the bulk of the early down work for the Bears in this matchup against the Cardinals, who have given up 1,700 rushing yards to opposing running backs. So it's a really good matchup. Um, at home, I, I think the Bears are going to be in a very run friendly game script against the Cardinals. So I, I feel like Foreman can make his oh, 10, to, 10 to 12 carries work this week. Um, Goddard. Two games back from injury, identical stat lines, four catches for 30 yards, not real exciting. Uh, We know those wide receivers are going to demand their share of the targets. And then I I just have zero interest in playing George Pickens this week. Uh, You know, he's gone seven games without a touchdown and just does not get that many targets with Deontay Johnson around.
1: Oh, I feel, you almost you almost convinced me, Pat, but I just, I feel terrible turning towards Donta Foreman. I think I will at least depend on what I know from Dallas Goddard, then George Pickens, and then Donta Foreman. And that wraps things up. By the way, if you have any questions around tough decisions for any of these flex types of questions, a great tool to use is the Who Should I Start tool in my playbook. It will give you a full breakdown of everything that you need to know. And that wraps things up for our ranking show this week. If you have any questions about lineups or anything at all, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, and I know you do, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits and make sure that you are also checking out Billy's work on Player Profiler. You can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find Pat at fits underscore FF. And you can find me at It's for Pat Fitzmorris, for Billy Musio, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at fantasypros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.